Hello, it's Nick Brown, Editor-in-Chief of Archives Views in Childhood. I'm delighted to welcome Mark Peters, Professor of Pediatric Intensive Care at Great Ormond Street and the Institute of Child Health, to discuss a recent editorial that he wrote with Mark Daniel Martin. The title is Might Children Rust? What are the risks of supplemental oxygen in acute illness? But this might seem paradoxical to some of us, but the more times I read this paper, the more I remember how we should be cautious with this universal panacea, or so we would believe. So welcome, Mark. Thank you. So I wonder whether we could just start with a reminder of physiology in normal and pathological states and why oxygen excess can actually be harmful. This is a huge subject, but I think we're all very aware of the potential harm of hypoxia, of low oxygen and low um, oxygen delivery to tissues. We've spent much of the last 20 years via um, uh, APLS and similar uh, courses teaching people all the procedures that ensure safe tissue oxygen delivery. So um, supplemental oxygen via face mask, often with a reservoir, via fluid administration, um, and if necessary, ventilation and ionotropic support. So we've really focused in on supporting oxygen delivery when it's suboptimal. And the thinking there is if you haven't got enough oxygen delivering to your tissues, you cannot make energy from oxygen and glucose um, to produce CO2 and water in your tissues. And if that energy failure progresses far enough, um, cells either stop wor working or die. And in that process, as we've improved the care for acutely ill children, we've perhaps lost some of the um, detail of understanding the risks and benefits of oxygen therapy. Um, because there's no doubt that oxygen is harmful. I mean, it, it does rust metal. Um, it does damage tissues in high concentration. Um, and what's probably going on is that oxygen's chemistry, which is highly reactive, it's got a pair of, pair of unpaired electrons in its outer uh, shell. It can, it can oxidize tissues. It, it moves electrons around in a way that um, can cause harm. And our focus on the acutely of the child means perhaps we've forgotten that side of the equation, that too much oxygen can cause injury. Um, it can produce these molecules called free oxygen radicals that can cause a lot of injury um, to local tissues, to cells. Um, uh, some of them is un undoubtedly useful. They're part of how we kill invading microorganisms. Um, but too much uh, is clearly harmful. Um, it even might be that our whole bodies are set up in a way that we can't, um, over a lifetime, we, we can't cope with a slight excess of free radical oxygen production. And uh, you know, there's, a, there's a strong argument that this is a big part of the process of aging, is slow oxidation um, through our lifetime. Mm. And, and perhaps we're accelerating that when we suddenly um, have an acutely ill child um, and we are maintaining their oxygen at supranormal levels and overcoming their um, defences because we have antioxidant defences that can mop up some of these um, dangerous bits of oxygen. Um, but if you, if you give massive concentrations, as we often do, those defences can be overwhelmed. 
So that's that's really interesting. So ex extrapolating that a little bit, is, is, is there a safe saturation level or P PO2 below which one can be reassured and above which one should be concerned? Well, I think I, so that's a, a great question. And the answer is we don't know. Um, the trouble is any one measure of oxygen yeah. concentration or, or pressure um, is incomplete. Um, it all depends on the context. It all depends on the rest of your physiology. It depends on your hemoglobin concentration, your cardiac output, your microvascular function, etc. Um, but but I think it's a quite a quite a nice way into this is to understand quite how um, fabulous humans are at adapting to um, relative hypoxia. Um, Dan Martin, who was our um, co-author on um, this editorial, um, was part of a team that went to the top of Everest in. Um, uh, I think 2007 and they uh, did the slightly insane um, procedure <laughs> of femoral blood gases from each other at uh, close to eight and a half thousand meters um, and although they were using up supplemental oxygen on the ascent um, they just breathed normal atmospheric air um, for 20 minutes before they um, did a femoral stab um, and some of the blood gas observations taken um, are, are striking. These were not people fighting for their lives. These are people who are in the middle of a, a life-changing experience climbing um, the highest mountain in the world. But the observed um, arterial oxygen tensions um, at 8,400 or so meters were in the range of three to four kPa. Um, and these guys were together enough to be taking arterial blood gases from each other they were not in immediate life-threatening danger and, and the oxygen saturation readings that um, accompanied those were between 34 and 69 percent so you know that's a long that's a long way of um, coming around to the point that we are able to cope with much lower oxygen values than we often observe in clinical practice Yes, and the tradition has led us to believe we should aim for. So are there, are there any particular clinical signs that will tell us whether a child is developing oxygen toxicity? Or is that, again, contextual? Yeah, that absolutely is contextual. And um, we may not understand what it looks like. I think the trials are only just being done to try and piece together whether the current approach uh, to very liberal oxygenation in acute illness is indeed inferior to being more permissive to, to allowing a degree of um, hypoxia. I'm part of a team with the, the Pediatric Intensive Care Society study group that has completed a trial, um, a pilot trial, comparing saturation targets of 88 to 92 percent inclusive with 95 percent and above um, in acute admissions to um, intensive care and um, from from the pilot trial and 120 patients, it's clearly safe, uh, or, or there's an equivalent safety um, in both groups. Um, and there are some hints towards that you may need less intensive, less intensive care. You may be able to be discharged earlier um, if you are more uh, conservative with your auction administration. So, and, and the aim is to take that forward to a definitive um, trial on the teams working on that at the moment. But it, but it probably requires several thousand patients to demonstrate that sort of difference. So we're going to get some answers at, at some point when the RCT evidence accumulates. Yes, I mean, there's already some evidence from 
less unwell children that um, Cunningham and colleagues in the Lancet um, in 2015 um, compared saturations of 90 or more with saturations of 94 or more in um, RS3 bronchiolitis in ward patients. And again, they saw no harm with a lower threshold, but actually children came off the uh, came off supplemental oxygen a little earlier, perhaps unsurprisingly, but were also um, able to be discharged a little earlier as well. So it may be that we are sort of uh, addicted to the idea of having a, a physiological buffer. Um, we keep people higher than they would normally be because it gives them some it gives us some space to deteriorate, and therefore we perceive we have more time um, to intervene. Yes, ab ab absolutely. So in the in the meantime, until the the, the trial evidence at, or the the, the up-and-coming trial evidence is, is available. What, would you advise any caution or is there no need at present for change? There are some expert guidance that are relevant. The ACCM, the American College of um, Chest Medicine Guidance for Hemodynamic Supporting um, Children with Septic Shock suggests 95 or greater for peripheral mm. oxygen saturation is appropriate. Um, uh, pediatric uh, acute life support suggests the range in 94 to 98 is appropriate um, and I think the only other relevant guidance is from um, European Pediatric and Neonatal Intensive Care Society Acute Lung Injury Group who suggest that if if you have severe abnormalities of gas exchange you should aim for the 88 to 92 range. Okay and I think that's interesting because what that hints about is the mechanism there's two main potential mechanisms in play here. So one could be that the oxygen directly hurts tissues. Too much oxygen is harmful. The other is that the oxygen itself isn't toxic, but that, that our efforts to raise it are toxic. So it, it could be that um, chasing an, a high oxygen saturation means that we give more sedation to facilitate more aggressive ventilation. Um, it could be that we use more pressure on the ventilator and we certainly um, do so for longer. So there could, it could just be, if there is harm here, that it reflects diffuse overtreatment rather than specific oxygen, yes. if that makes sense. And we're doing some mechanistic work alongside our, our clinical studies to try and pick that apart. As with most of these things, it's, it's likely to be a combination. So extrapolating prevention policies, is there anything one can do in terms of antioxidants to prevent the free radical toxicity? There's a history of people using antioxidants in all sorts of conditions. I've yet to see anything that's been very convincing. It may be an issue about these molecules needing to be in the right place at the right time for what's a, um, a process that occurs instantaneously. Sure, by the time you've thought about it, it's probably too late. Yes. But actually, understanding that there's uncertainty about oxygen treatment actually reveals we probably don't know anywhere near enough about actually the details of how oxygen is um, used um, in the mitochondria. You know, that what increases and decreases the rate of oxidative phosphorylation um, is incompletely understood, and the influence of the, um, the local PO2 on that is unclear. So you know, right from the, the real detail of this, you can't, you can't work this back from first principles about what's the minimum um, mitochondrial PO2, for example.
Much of the focus of this editorial focused on a Canadian and New Zealand meta-analysis, largely in adult patients, on this very theme. I wonder whether you could tell us a bit more about that. So the, a lot of attention on the potential for oxygen toxicity follows a um, systematic review and meta-analysis in The Lancet um, from earlier this year. And this focused on uh, acutely ill adults but does cover some 25 randomized trials and 16,000 patients. And the reason this has had some interest is that even though these are they're comparing trials with different protocols um, and in different scenarios, is the sort of headline rate is of a um, significant mortality excess. So the hospital mortality was 21% higher in patients given uh, generous supplemental oxygen than a more conservative approach. That effect size is slightly smaller if you take it out to 30 days um, or to the longest fall up. But uh, I mean, that's probably unrealistically um, large, 21% um, excess mortality um, would be an extraordinarily powerful um, But there's certainly something there. And within those studies, there are very few that hint of benefit of generous oxygen supplementation. And these are conditions that include stroke, sepsis, um, mixed populations on adult um, UK units. Um, but really interestingly, for those of us who are medical students in the 80s and 90s, uh, acute myocardial infarction is a pretty strong signal that supplemental oxygen in um, ST elevation myocardial infarction is harmful. Fascinating. So it, it, it isn't just children that are at risk? No, absolutely. Uh, and I think but these observations are what has prompted many people around the world to reanalyze um, cost and benefit of uh, supplemental oxygen. Kath Maitland's team in Khalifi um, in Kenya are uh, um, a year into conducting a study about both oxygen targets but also mechanisms of delivery of oxygen, high flow versus low flow. And that has absolutely the potential to be as disruptive as the FEAST study <laughs> was a few years ago. So it could be that this is an area that we're, we're all talking about for the next 10 years or so. Mark, that's been absolutely fascinating. I've talked for hours longer about this. I urge everyone to read this paper. The original article, of course, you'll be able to find on the ADC website as usual. Th thanks very much. Great, thank you.